Section eight of Eidman or the Vale of Humori by Maria Gowan Brooks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Confessions, Part four. His hair, though a shade darker than when I first beheld him, still clustered in golden ringlets. His teeth had lost none of their stainless and pearly perfection. His hand, though nerved with the strength of a Theseus or of a Hercules, was white as the fairest infant princess ever bleached by the moist air of Britain. His age was now within two years of thirty, but the fabled Venus as she stepped from her shell could not have been imagined more exempt from blemish or discolor. He had lived much in the freezing air of his native woods and rivers. He had buffeted the same winds that tinge with deep brown the wrinkled cheek of the Canadian peasant, as he sings and smiles at his toil but it seemed as if sun and elements had admired and passed by him untouched. Ethelwald, for a moment, observed my attention. When you saw me, he said, at P-D, you likened me to Apollo, but now you see me a mortal, almost an old man. My quick answer was, what then am I? When your hair is gray, he returned, mine will be white, and in that thought there is comfort. Such a speech from such a creature, how could I do otherwise than feel it even as I did? Three hours, which seemed but as a moment, he remained with me in conversation, and then departed to meet an engagement. The lands appertaining to Nicolette had been purchased by a British officer from a former French seigneur, and their proprietor now lived with his family at a commodious cottage called the Manor House. Thither Ethelwald repaired to dress and dine but returned to me early in the evening. He had brought with him from Trois-Rivières the miniature picture of a brother who died in the British army in India. A little history of their family ensued, after looking at this, of a beauteous band of brethren. Walter Rodolphe Arno was the last. All but him had been snatched in early youth from a world they were formed to adorn, from a world whose other inhabitants their persons entirely surpassed the Canadian families around remembered them with regret and enthusiasm, and looked upon the last who remained as something too fair to stay long. The picture lay before us on the table, and during the intervals of conversation, Ethelwald read from a little book he had brought with it, many extracts and specimens of verses, once breathed by voices he could hear no more and copied by hands of his kindred whose beautiful whiteness had become but the grey dust of the earth softened by such reflections the charm of his presence was enhanced the flight of hours was unheeded the interview was uninterrupted except that from time to time some one of the family walked in through a half-open door that led to their own apartment spoke a few words in french and retired again the clock of the seminary, to our utter surprise, struck eleven. The hours of our host were early, and Ethelwald arose to return to the manor house. As he threw on his warm furry cloak, my eyes glanced an instant round the little apartment, the humble scene of a visit so delightful, and was suddenly and forcibly struck with the contrast between that scene and the brilliant figure before me. Here, then, I said to myself, has lingered so many hours, one to whom Catherine of Russia would have opened with her own hand the richest chamber of her palaces. Have you not, I said, passed a dull evening? 
would to heaven he returned that my evenings might all be like this i said no more for his answer had deprived me of utterance ethelwald bade good-night in the english manner pressing my hand that trembled with a pleasure so extreme that i felt not the parting till he was gone i retired immediately to my room washed in the sweet water of the neighboring river and threw myself quickly into bed sleep i could not even coherent thought was impossible i counted till after four the striking of the seminary clock and at seven i counted it again with the impression of vague but sweet dreams i thought that ethelwald would cross the river early for his home at trois rivieres but at ten he came again to pass another half-hour it seemed still a dream as i followed to the door this being so unlike the rest of mortals stand not here he said you may take cold and die too and then all will be past a thought of the early death of his six brothers and sisters was it seemed passing through his mind i returned to my little drawing-room stood till i could see him no more at my window that looked towards the seminary and then sat myself down in the chair he had lately risen from the smiling picture of his brother was suspended to the chain about my neck i placed it before my eyes sat leaning upon the table and for an hour moved not my position i know not what i thought but during that hour i had no wishes i sat in a stupor of delight and to move again i felt neither strength nor inclination could mortals long endure a state of happiness a sentiment of pain recalled me to myself little arvon ran into the room he had felt himself ill and his benevolent instructors had yielded to his wishes and let him come suddenly to visit me it was but a sense of confinement that affected him but the slightest uneasiness of this sensitive orphan boy went always through my heart like an arrow tipped with poison the worthy family around me gave him jelly of currants and raspberries that grow in abundance where the forests have been newly cut down i soon consoled him and went out with him to walk on the banks of the still unfrozen river that hastened with its tributary waves to the beautiful la Dauana. the day was warmer than usual and tracks of the hare and ptarmigan were seen in the sparkling snow a party of indians had come to the village to sell for the approaching winter moccasins wrought with the quills of the porcupine stained with the most brilliant colors and snowshoes curiously woven of the soft pliant skin of the deer we saw them in a group at a distance as we followed the bending of the stream the squirrel glided lightly through the sun still apparently employed in collecting his last winter stores from the scattered walnut and beech trees the river was crusted with ice at its borders but took at its still flowing channel the bright blue of the sky against which the spire of the chapel of the seminary was glittering like polished silver my boy was happy in these scenes the excitement of travelling and the liberty he had lately enjoyed made confinement of any kind irksome but the priests were kind and gentle they thought of his state as an orphan and a stranger that knew not their language they allowed him to visit me daily and promised to vary his aliments in any way his health might require my solicitude for this child was extreme 
I thought of his friendless state, and felt that my own happiness must be secondary to the duty I owed him. He passed with me the day, and at night returned to the seminary. The next day brought me letters and papers from Ethelwald, and my table seemed covered with his name. It was said in Europe at this period that the world was at peace, and many regiments were disbanded. Ethelwald was now an officer on half-pay, but holding a civil employment which occupied his time and attention. For three days he came not, but every morning brought a note, and a pleasing perturbation that I had not power to overcome, took entire possession of my faculties. A small Protestant or English chapel had been built near the manor-house. There I was invited to dine at the conclusion of the evening service. Ethelwald, who crossed the St. Lawrence late on Saturday evening, came at the proper hour to attend me. The chapel, surrounded by trees of the forest, was new, simple, and unadorned. There was no music save the voices of those who attended. Ladies were near me, but my most admired sat opposite, and when he sang, his expression, or what I felt, would be lost in a faint description. To look at beauty and listen to its music are given to our conceptions as types or specimens of the ecstasies of heaven. Has any one lived a life without tasting a single day of happiness? Happiness in accordance with the pantings of the heart which feels it? Happiness for the time so large as to leave no room for wishes? One day at least of such happiness has been mine. One day! A single point between two masses of dullness and solicitude made sufferable by a few pleasures, often uncheered with hope and sometimes blackened by despair. On the scenes of that day let me dwell, O oh, my friend, a moment longer. The voice of Ethelwald gave the tone in which I sang to the Most High. His arms supported me as I descended the steps of the sanctuary, and I thought, as I felt its warm, gentle pressure, heaven has materialized a being of my fancy, and exceeded her wildest idea. The English of Canada are very exact in their etiquette. We all had walked to church, and on reaching the hall of the manor house, every one immediately retired to be rid of furs and moccasins, and to dress for the approaching meal in an evening garb, however plain. At table Ethelwald was beside me. The first wine of the repast was poured by his hand, raised to my lips at his request, and tasted at the same time with his. He saw my light soup almost undiminished, and helped me himself from a choice partridge or Canadian pheasant snared in the neighboring woods by some semi-civilized Indian. But pleasure had risen too high even for the refreshment of food and the little I could swallow seemed at that moment a difficult interruption. From time to time I caught a glance as his white hand raised to his lips the white morsel of bird on the fork of silver. His hair shone in the light of the tapers. The warmth of the well-furnished room had brought to the transparent skin of his forehead such lucid particles of dew as you, my friend, once beheld with me at P-D. I looked at him again and thought, does he indeed nourish himself with food, and has he blood like mortals? 
pardon o oh, my excellent friend the unreasonable emotions i describe some fiend perhaps tempted to destroy but he whom i loved at least was not unworthy the clergyman to whom we had lately listened our polite host and hostess and a young girl the daughter of their friend with a lover to whom she was betrothed formed with two other guests the evening party no amusement was introduced because it was the first day of the week and the family were of the church of england we merely conversed or sang a little to the piano ethelwald lost no opportunity of placing himself at my side and whenever sitting at a distance his eye never failed to meet mine with an expression that comforted my soul the hour for retirement too soon arrived the use of a carriole had been declined i was guarded from the cold by thick garments of the north and ethelwald led me to my dwelling the first moon of winter was shining and cast as we walked our united shadows on the sparkling white path that slightly crisped beneath our footsteps alas if my love was but a shadow it was not delineated on snow the tablets on which it was engraved will be carried with me to eternity i fain would have spoken but words were denied me neither did ethelwald speak much of much there was no need the tone of his voice was enough to tell all that my heart demanded from time to time he drew my arm closer beneath his or lifted me from the earth wherever the frozen path had been roughened the house where i lived had a little hall in front the door was partly of glass and a light shone through it from within my beautiful friend before it opened would fain have pressed his lips to mine but withdrew them at my faint repulse asked pardon lifted me over the threshold it was too late at night for him to cross and withdrew with a pressure of the hand the canadian servant slept but my bedroom was always kept warm i ran to it in haste and as i threw off my outer garments and remembered who had helped to wrap them around me i felt astonished at having twice denied him what i gave every day to my son man is not made for rapture could idomen a woman therefore in the second grade of mankind and weaker perhaps than even that second grade should be could idomen long have endured a happiness like that of the day which had just passed away forever sleep that loves to hover over grief keeps kindly at a distance from pleasure on that night sleep was long in banishment from my pillow when i closed my eyes a moment i dreamed of being clasped in the arms of my friend and awoke with the vivid imagination alarmed and reflecting on my state something whispered that my thoughts were dangerous but no there was no guilt in him who caused them i was wakeful and the night was still i could not hear a sound save the breathing of some of the family through the thin walls of my chamber fearful and reflecting on my dreams other scenes began to rush upon my mind i thought upon my darkest years and then the last day i had passed would come to me entire and like a smiling picture 
what a contrast of pleasure and of pain which was my future to resemble the doubts that ensued were almost insufferable and i strove as i had often done before to beguile my perturbed feelings by endeavouring to condense them into verses here idomen rose a moment and gave me from her portfolio a few leaves of paper numbered as if in succession and fragrant with braided knots of that odorous grass found by indians in the woods of canada these dry relics of a distant country were sweet even near the flowers that surrounded us having rested till i read the verses idomen again thus continued in the morning i arose weak and languid but happy though doubts would intrude themselves a day had passed almost without nourishment and a night almost without sleep my soul had been full and satisfied but my countenance showed traces even of this slight irregularity the eye and the blood are made of earth celestial food makes them brighter for a while but that which comes from the ground can alone preserve them from perishing i washed me for renovation in the soft sweet water of the neighboring tributary stream braided my hair as well as i could and swallowed an egg like drink from its shell as i had been taught at sea to supply the deficiency of appetite Footnote. this manner of taking sustenance while exhausted with any powerful emotion is noted here for its excellent effect End of note. ethelwald could not stay long but came before he went to cross the river he seemed anxious for my health and gave me many cautions as we stood near the window whence i watched his coming and departure he took my weak hand that trembled in his and pressed me a moment to his heart even then i had power to draw back resistance to the highest delight had become to me involuntary as breath yet why and what did i resist no ill was intended no dishonor could possibly have been perpetrated was it some spirit who abridged me of a pleasure like its own in heaven where souls meet the souls that were made for them and love is pure though ineffable ethelwald again asked pardon renewed his cautions and parted with a promise of return i watched his fine figure till it disappeared by the dark pines of the seminary it was the hour for a visit from little arvon and i stirred not till i saw him approach the next morning brought me no letter but the day following a packet arrived he must think of me i said while absent or he would not take pains to write so much the letters of this friend born in a snowy region still half a desert and serving as hunting grounds to the red sons of the forest those letters which i still retain were delicate easy flowing perhaps models in their kind with the education of him who wrote them no particular pains had been taken but an exquisite natural taste for all that is beautiful had given to him what never can be taught i dare not read them now but i sewed them in satin of rose color and keep them ever near me on that day when the dearest of them came of many delightful pages this passage enchained my intention 
i fear you were almost angry with me when last i stood at your window but oh with how little reason i feel for you the warmest regard may i not also say affection these words i read over many times and thought till i had scarcely power to move when i walked they sounded in my ears but doubt and presentiment came over my heart like a damp i feared to believe myself happy but now i dared not think of the alternative the next day all thought was impossible for ethelwald ere noon was in my drawing-room the weather had become very cold he brought me warm gloves and books and moccasins of the country for arvon no allusion was made by my friend to that passage of his letter which had sunk so deeply in my heart but my looks must have well convinced him that he felt no affection unreturned my fortune said he who enchanted me is small if i go to india promotion will follow i would have gone with him to the ends of the earth this i felt but told him not some adverse power restrained my tongue i looked at the being before me thought of little arvon and uttered not a definite word the picture of ethelwald's brother was fastened to a chain about my neck he saw it and said i cannot give you that but i will give you mine his picture besides the inimitable original no gift could have been so delightful have you got it i asked with emotion but something invisible restrained me and i claimed not his promise in words was not this the crisis of my destiny and did not my evil fate prevail end of section eight